I have a pretty vivid picture in my mind of how this Sermon on the Mount happened in Jesus' day. Jesus saw the crowds that had gathered for his first public teaching and goes up on a hill in order for the crowds to hear and see him better. Now, I learned this week that according to science, the higher and closer you are to a big land of mass, the slower time moves. So Jesus, slowly walking up this hill, sits down, looks out over those who have gathered, and begins to slowly teach the crowds of people around him. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When I envision Jesus teaching these words to those people gathered around him, I picture Jesus sitting on the side of that hill with a smile on his face and his arms stretched out wide saying, blessed are you. The poor in spirit, the meek, the peacemakers. Blessed are you when you feel attacked for you will encounter God. And what a way to start a sermon, giving blessings and honors to those listening. And these blessings are also for us today to receive as honor as they challenge us in our work. For they each contain a promise and a challenge from God. These beatitudes are a call for us to seek justice for the vulnerable to turn what we know of the world upside down. Jesus is calling to the people sitting at the bottom of the hill to show up to people who are alone, who are hurting, who are in need, and who are maybe sitting right next to you. Believing in Jesus means living in accordance to his teachings. And as Jesus blesses us and gives us honor that we maybe don't receive from those in power today, he also challenges us into an action that is out of the norm of this world. We're called to seek justice, 
to love kindly and to walk humbly with God. These beatitudes that begin the Sermon on the Mount are expressing the newness that God makes possible in the life and the activity of Jesus. In Jesus' day, the Romans ruled the land. They set the laws, they established the customs, They prosecuted those that lay on the outside of the systems they had set in place, the people on the margins. And I think about those people that came to hear Jesus teach and wonder, who were they? And would I, a religious leader of power, be one of the people sitting at the bottom of the hill Or would I be standing with the others in power, accusing the Son of God of false teachings? I'd like to think that the social justice activist that I am would walk away from the power that I had, the power of leadership, the power of being raised in a middle-class, educated home, and the power that comes with the color of my skin that instead of using that power blindly, I follow Jesus faithfully and radically turn this world upside down. Two weeks ago, Ben Gearing, Tim Hodge, Beth Balzer, and I attended an anti-racism analysis training here in Newton. We learned about the oppression that sits deeply rooted in systems of power that we benefit from every single day. During this training, the group of participants, both white and people of color, watched a video on Jane Elliott's Blue Eyes, Brown Eyes exercise. Elliott is a former third grade teacher who on the day after Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, conducted this now famous exercise for the first time with her class of white third graders. The first day of this exercise displayed how all of the brown-eyed third graders were treated with praise, given special privileges, and shown honor simply because of the color of their eyes. All of the blue-eyed children that first day were made fun of because of their eye color. We're told they were not allowed to play with the brown-eyed children on the playground and were given stricter rules they had to follow. And on the second day of this exercise, the roles switched. The blue-eyed children now had all of the privileges that the brown-eyed children had had the previous day. And the brown-eyed children now had many restrictions set on them. The same restrictions that the blue-eyed children had placed on them the previous day. And two things surprised me as I sat and watched this video. The first was that on both days, the brown-eyed children went through a deck of math problems with their teacher. The first day, 
the day when they had all of the privileges. They were able to go through this deck together in under three minutes. But on the second day, when they were seen as less than the blue-eyed children, it took the group over five minutes to go through this same deck of cards. And the second thing that surprised me during this exercise was how easy it was for the children who had their power and authority stripped from them on the first day, easily slid into the roles of the more privileged and powerful the second day. Even though they knew how depressing and miserable it felt for them the previous day. It was so easy to oppress another group of people based on the color of their eyes, even though they knew exactly what it felt like to be pushed to the margins. That is why, as a peacemaker and religious leader with power, I wonder where I would have been had I walked the earth when Jesus gave this sermon on the mount. Would I be among the crowd, a crowd filled with people on the margins of society, receiving this blessing and this challenge from Jesus? Or would I be with the other religious leaders, calling out hearsay on Jesus' teaching because it was challenging the systems that I helped put in place and use every single day to benefit my power? And if we ask ourselves honestly today, years after this sermon was given, do these blessings hold true now? Have we put into practice followers of Jesus and lived in accordance to Jesus' teaching and been seeking justice for the vulnerable, loving one another in the midst of conflict, and shaping our lives in ways that we are allowing opportunities to encounter and walk with God. When I look around the world, I continue to see systems of oppression that keeps people in the margins. The same people in the margins that Jesus continued to show up to on the side of that hill, on the steps of the temple, and at the tomb the vulnerable, the immigrants, the meek, those living off of minimum wage paychecks, those disrupting traffic in protests, the poor in spirit, and those seen as less than based on the systems of power that we built and that we sustain to keep people out. Our faith in a God of love leads us by the power of the Spirit to follow Jesus in doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God. Now if you turn to the top of your bulletin, you'll see that these are the words the congregation agreed on together and how we do life together. It's our shared commitment and understanding to work at bringing the kingdom of heaven here. 
And as I paused on the reality of these words this week, I noticed that we have the tools to do this work of justice together. The Witness Commission puts out creation care challenges each month for us to do together. Pastor Nathan Kuntz leads a weekly time of centering prayer each Monday for the community to pray and love on one another. Our bulletin last week listed three justice-oriented learning opportunities we can all participate in. Watching the Kipcore film The Great White Hoax on February 9th at 3 p.m., attending a Caring for Climate webinar at the Western District Conference offices on February 27th at 6.30 p.m., and joining the MCC Learning Tour to Palestine, Israel in June. And this anti-racism analysis training is offered at least once a year for all of us to take. These words of blessings and challenges from Jesus call us to be faithful. We need to continue to do this important work as faithful followers of Jesus because the oppression of marginalized people has gone on far too long. And the silence around these topics has got to stop. I imagine that if Jesus showed up today on Centennial Hill to give his sermon, he might start with these Beatitudes. Blessed are those who work two or three jobs but still don't earn enough to pay the bills. Blessed are those who don't make good grades, for they will be comforted and supported. Blessed is your mind and body, for it should be honored. Blessed are those who stand by those who can't stand for themselves. Blessed are those who always show up late, but never miss a meeting. Blessed are the parents that strive to improve the lives of children. Blessed are those who stand up for what is right, even if they risk being mocked. And blessed are the wrung out, the tapped out, those who continuously pour themselves out for others with, without praise or thanks received. For God loves nothing more than to fill an empty vessel. Now I'd like to end my sermon with a song that was born during the Poor People's Campaign. A revolution of values when it started by Martin Luther King Jr. And a revival movement to shift our country's morals today. This video begins with an explanation of how this song, Somebody's Hurting My Brother, was born during a town hall meeting around coal ash. This meeting was called in this town because Duke Energy was spilling coal ash into poor neighborhoods. People shared how they were impacted physically and mentally by this coal ash in their neighborhoods. And this song that we will hear played on the speakers 
is a result of those testimonies shared at this town hall meeting and is a modern-day example of why we need to continue to seek justice for the marginalized, for it has gone on far too long.